Welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show. Yes, we are live from the Boss Hog Radio Studios in Plant City, Florida. My name is Chip DeBlock, and I'm your host. And we are a group of law enforcement professionals that talk about today's news and issues, but we do it from a law enforcement perspective. And let me go ahead and introduce our crew to you guys, if you don't mind waiting for the video portion of our show. And we have back Lieutenant Dave Smith, a.k.a. J.D. Buck Savage. That name might sound familiar to you. Uh, and I'm a big fan, so uh, good to see you back, Lieutenant. Also, Sergeant Joe Rollerson, a.k.a. Hollywood Joe. So, yeah, they we were talking before the show started, and there's a little connection there between uh, Sergeant Joe and Lieutenant Dave there, the Arizona connection. So uh, appreciate you guys being on the show. A shout-out to our sponsors. We have Motion DSP, GallsGunLearn.com, MyMedicare.Live, and we're fueled by Bang Energy. Yes, today it's the Rainbow Unicorn is the flavor of the day. Good stuff. Thanks to Bang for fueling us. And uh, shout-out to Brian Burns for the free press for carrying our content. Huge shout-out, Ray Dietrich, Red Voice Media. You know, we're streaming the eight locations right now in addition to all the national radio syndication, and we're on Roku TV, Amazon Fire TV, and 20 podcast platforms. But, uh, you know, in those streams, those eight streams, three of those belong to Red Voice Media with about one million followers just on those three alone. So thanks for letting us borrow your uh, your uh, viewers uh, there, Ray Dietrich, or Red Voice Media. So, hey, a great opportunity. So, guys, we got a great lineup. Uh, for you all, we're talking about some very important stuff and maybe some surprising stuff as well. So uh, looking to see what our panel thinks about some of the stuff. So starting off at lawofficer.com, it's one of our sources that we use for the news stories. A new law prevents law enforcement from using smell test for marijuana investigation. So we're in Maryland. So a new Maryland law legalizing recreational marijuana also changes how police can investigate whether a driver under the influence of weed, um, you know, what they're going to do with that kind of an investigation. Now, look. This is becoming more prevalent across the country. Jurisdictions that are legal, legalizing at least uh, smaller amounts of marijuana, but it affects other things. And look, even with my old agency, and Joe worked there too, um, you know, the Tampa Police Department, you know, the uh, city of Tampa has decided to stop prosecuting uh, minor amounts of marijuana. Uh, but last I heard, the county that the city of Tampa is in, Hillsborough County, had not. So you've got city, uh, city cops that are, in the same county as the deputies, but they're they're handling and enforcing things completely different than what the county deputies are. And then, of course, you've got you know state officers, and then you've got the feds as well, which uh, which have not uh, you know uh, decriminalized you know these marijuana statutes at least at the federal level. So it, it really it's impacting a lot. And sometimes this information does not filter down to the smaller agencies. So that's why we're covering this. So look, uh, WTOP reported that starting July the 1st, at least in the state of Maryland, law enforcement officers can no longer use the smell test as the only reason to stop and search a vehicle. Now, historically, the smell of marijuana has provided uh, us law enforcement officers, Leos, with the opportunity to detain, search, and then the question of person, uh, sometimes uncovering contraband or more serious crimes. It happens all the time, right? So in 2021, a ruling, however, the Maryland's Court of Special Appeals said that police needed reasonable suspicion that a crime is being committed to stop and question someone and that just smelling weed does not meet that standard. So the reasonable suspicion uh, part of that equation, that's not new, but smelling weed or marijuana meeting that reasonable suspicion, that is what has changed. So the bill also creates a process to expunge all previous cases where possession of under 10 grams of marijuana was the only charge. Wow. So that's pretty major. Also, in November, voters approved a ballot referendum legalizing the recreational use of marijuana for adults over the age of 21. It allows for possession of marijuana 
if it's under one and a half ounces and it legalizes having up to two cannabis plants. Wow, where we've come from. I never would have seen this coming years ago when I got into the game. So that's kind of where we're at. And again, I know we're talking about the state of Maryland, but it's happened, as I just mentioned, it's happening in jurisdictions all over the country. Uh, commentary, guys, any uh, any surprises or enlightenment um, on this? I know that we've, uh, um, you know, we've all been there, used uh, used that uh, that uh, reasonable suspicion angle when just, um, you know, smelling the marijuana. But um, anybody, any takers? Joe, you want to start us off? I'll make a small comment about it. Um, I mean, you used to pull cars over, you smelled marijuana, and it definitely led to uh, some substantial arrests. And um, just because it's illegal to possess a very small amount, if you could smell it coming from the car, usually they have more than just a little amount. Uh, but that, that's a huge tool to take away from law enforcement. Because usually if you you are doing this, there's usually other things that are going on. But uh, where does this stop? Do we stop people and we smell alcoholic beverage on their breath? And now we go, well, you can't really do, do anything because I uh, can't prove they're drunk. But uh, I, I just think it's a it's a horrible tool to take away from cops. And here again, they're tying the police officers yeah. hands and they're uh, they're making it more difficult to do your job. You know, that's you know, Joe's right on that point. You know, the, the thing is, uh, with marijuana as opposed to alcohol, uh, you know, normally you're smelling the alcohol regarding uh, probable cause you've built or reasonable suspicion you've built from the operation of the vehicle. In marijuana, though, how many times, you know, do we make arrests, you guys, where it was the smell? You're making them on a stop. Let's say it's a plate. Uh, let's say it's a, a, a repair. You make a stop on a vehicle and you smell marijuana. Well, in the past, of course, that immediately triggered an investigation. That was your reasonable suspicion right there. And oftentimes it led to, to drugs, other offense, you know, because let's face it, uh, marijuana is often affiliated in our state. Anyway, here in Arizona was always affiliated with other criminality. And so, so often that, uh, that ability to smell uh, that triggered our reasonable suspicion led to our probable cause for arrest, often for much more serious criminality. And that's one of the problems we're seeing in our society today when a state says, uh, we're going to simply eliminate, you, you know, you can't make a stop on somebody based on reasonable suspicion. Well, that's the whole foundation for police investigations, folks. And we're in real problem here in this society that that's turning a whole criminal justice system on its head to make sure we accommodate the criminal. And again, marijuana, we, we st we're we in this great social experiment to see how much damage it really can do to our young. And it's just to, here in Arizona, you walk around some streets, you can smell it everywhere, apartment complexes. Uh, you know, since we had recreational passed on an initiative, our legislature never passed it. It was put through an initiative, which is one of the reasons why pure democracy was never supposed to be true in the United States. Wow. that You know, that's... It's interesting. You guys both said something that kind of piqued my curiosity a little bit. So, so Joe, you put thing, things in a perspective that maybe some of our users might be thinking now, you know, let's just take, let's just take alcohol and let's take marijuana. Those are two things that are legal. In, I mean, you know, uh, since prohibition, of course, you know, alcohol is illegal to, to a point. There's things you can do with alcohol that could make it illegal, like, like driving a car, but you have to be under the influence. If you've had alcohol, you're not under the influence, you know, point away or whatever, you know, then, then, then it's legal. But marijuana now is the same situation with these jurisdictions that have at least legalized the smaller quantities. 
but you know, you're the guy's got his window rolled down. If you smell the alcohol, you know, he's been driving a car behind the wheel. If he's, if you smell alcohol or if you smell marijuana, that alone is not going to give you any, any, any right. It's not going to qualify as reasonable suspicion to get him out of the car and like the, and to do that check. Now, if he swerved or he's, if he's done some, uh, roadside or some driving things, uh, you know, following too closely, you know, can't stay within a single lane or whatever, then that will give you that reasonable suspicion to, to do your due diligence, to do that DUI investigation, stack of case test, or, you know, field sobriety, whatever, you know? Um, so it's, it's interesting that I see the correlation between the two and now they're a little bit they're It's a little bit more even now. Uh, and, but you're, but you're right. That tool for law enforcement where, you know, the, I mean, that that's just been a great tool over the years and, and you, you, you can't help but feel like you're losing part of that component because it always leads to things that are much more serious, just like the ability to pull people over for traffic infractions. How often does that lead to the guy having a, a, a warrant, you know, for a, a signal five, he's, he's a homicide suspect somewhere, or maybe, maybe the car is stolen and you, it just hasn't come back on the computer yet, you know, because uh, we still have slow computers out there, believe it or not. So, yeah. Um, guys, any, anything else or anything that I'm missing before we move on to our next one, we've got a, a an update coming up. So start Sergeant Joe, did I, did, I, did I steal your thunder? No, I don't take the wind out of your sail, Joe. I, I don't want to mess with Hollywood Joe. No, no, I, I'm good. The only thing I was going to say is that uh, <clears throat> how do you determine, even if you smell it? Um, I used to pull people. I, I ran a DUI task force, and uh, one of the things uh, you pull people over, not all the time, you know, they'd run a red light or something or uh, create some ta- type of traffic violation. You'd pull them over. You did smell the odor of alcohol. And they gave you the probable cause to pull them out, and they're they're intoxicated. Uh, but you pulled them over for infraction, though. Yes, but people, right. what if I pull a guy over for running a red light and I smell marijuana? You can become intoxicated with marijuana as well, or any other drug. Yeah. Alcohol is a drug, so is marijuana. So, are you letting this guy go, and then he and then? Five minutes later, he has a traffic accident because he was the under under the influence of marijuana. And he kills somebody. Are you going to be held liable because they're going to say, "Well, you just pulled him over"? So I'm this not letting them go. Here. Yeah, well, yeah. but well, it's well, just going to open up a can of worms too. So, yeah, I, I got to agree with Joe. It, it, this whole thing is a can of worms. With these hostile prosecutors, they're busy looking at back in history at us, law enforcement, to see what cases they can file. And this is the kind of thing, again, like, like Joe's saying, you know, you stop somebody and again, for an, a, a non-related offense to marijuana intoxication, but we all know how it can inhibit and impair judgment and actions. And, and so are they going to eventually, and, and again, one of the worst things is, is uh, Joe brought up here, once this starts, it's a contagion in our criminal justice system among these Soros-backed prosecutors. So Again, this is a this is something that's foreseeable, but not happened yet. You know, well, I'm waiting. Other, for the- the, the, well, the other thing is, all we're doing here is like like Dave said, we are endangering the citizens more than, and we're protecting the criminal. Yeah, you might be on to something. I'm waiting for the first cop to come go to the court and say, you know, my nose is so good. I detected, I suspect there was more than one and a half, you know, grams of marijuana because it was so the smell was so strong. But that's an argument for another day. Hey, commercial break. Our first one, we'll be right back. You know, Motion DSP, they've been supporting the law enforcement profession for over 15 years with a robust suite of video and audio redaction and enhancement software. The Motion DSP software is easy to use, requires no specialized training or expertise, and you can save valuable time with spotlights one click 
automated tracking feature and forensic suite of enhancement filters to, re to receive a, 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 an unseen level of detail and uh, in just three steps. It's import, process, and export. Now, Spotlight is built specifically for redaction. It works with video from any camera source and using motion DSP's algorithms and object tracking technology. It automates the process of blurring faces and other identifiable information. It saves users countless hours compared to manual frame-by-frame -frame redaction. In forensic enhancement software, that allows users to quickly process and analyze any video file format using uh, super resolution algorithms and enhancement filters to reveal an unseen level of detail. And you can get forensically valid evidence from low quality video in just minutes instead of hours. So you can learn more about all these products by simply going to motiondsp.com. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show. And we are live from the Boss Hawk Radio Studios in Plant City, Florida. Uh, and so, look, if we've exhausted, uh, you know, that topic, we'll move on to the next one. I know that we've got, uh, you know, MVS in Colorado came on at 1.45 this morning, waiting for the stream to start. He's been waiting ever since. So God bless you, Mike MVS from Colorado. And yes, he did beat out Sergeant George from California. It's this big dueling, you know, dueling, you know, California, Colorado thing, you know. So I think that they're, I think MVS actually is up now. So I think Sergeant George, you have tomorrow to try to even it out and represent your state of, uh, of, uh, of uh, California. So look, um, guys, we've got some more stuff coming down. So let's uh, let's jump into an update here and see what we've got. We got on policetribune.com, California uh, settles for $24 million with a family of a man who died in custody, screaming, I cannot breathe. So look, we all know in law enforcement that, look, it's been typical. A lot of guys are yelling, look, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. And obviously, if you can get the words out, you're able to breathe. It's impossible to be able to talk if you can't breathe. Um, Los Angeles, California, though, the state of California has agreed to pay $24 million. That's a lot of money. To the family of a man who died while being arrested by California Highway Patrol, so chip officers, after he screamed, I can't breathe, multiple times while he was being held down. So the pretrial civil rights settlement, it's the largest in California history, and it's the second largest in U.S. history, according to NBC News. It comes in second behind the city of Minneapolis, of course, uh, who paid, uh, what was that, $27 million. That was, uh, what, an extra $3 million they paid with the whole George Floyd family um, settlement that they made. Uh, that was the Minneapolis Police Department. So seven CHP officers and a nurse were charged with involuntary manslaughter in March in connection with the death of Edward Bronstein. And I'm sure you guys probably you know remember that story and that nurse being incorporated into that. So if uh, if there's no commentary on that, I'll jump to our first story then with a the video component. But oh, Lieutenant Dave, go ahead. Well, let's just talk for a moment, guys. Here's one of the problems. This focus on liability of law enforcement versus, you know, we don't hold prosecutors uh, liable for the absurdity. You know, we have these people murdered and injured constantly by criminals that are let out. Just like in Phoenix the other day, we had a young uh, hiker murdered by a guy who the prosecutor there, who was a Soros-backed prosecutor, decided was a low-risk <laughs> felon. And, you know, the media, of course, a uh, former Marine, you know, was arrested. Well, yeah, you know what? And you look at his history since the Marine Corps. He's got multiple felony violent arrests and he goes out and murders this young woman. And this whole focus on this, you know, you have this guy in California. This catches the headlines and it catches the left's ideas of their fantasy and that that payout. You know, we all know about, you know, we used to be positionalist asphyxia till that was disproven. And then you have excited delirium. Now we can't decide what the science of this guy is full of drugs and he's fighting and resisting and he dies. You know, and this is the thing. You know, my mom's last word, she died of an embolism. Her last words were, I can't breathe, right? And this is the thing. A lot of reasons you can't breathe. Heart attacks, uh, embolisms, 
And the thing is, when uh, excited delirium, we find that over and over again. And the media, sure. the left, wants to say, well, that's uh, totally discredited. Yet, yet we know the ERs are constantly training for how to deal with it. And this is the kind of thing where we live in this age of unreason and unscience, no science. And this is just a further attack and assault on our intelligence. But the problem is when you prosecute these officers, when you go after deputies and troopers and and uh, you know these law enforcement people, this is damaging to uh, the very system. Uh, and and again, this is a terrible trend. And I just think as a commentary, uh, we've got to, you folks. You've got to pro, uh, elect prosecutors that are focused on law enforcement, are focused on criminality, and they put back a right. We, we just the citizens have got to get fed up with this. It's just a frustrating yeah. thing to me. Excellent words, Lieutenant. You know. Um, you talk about the Soros-backed prosecutors, huge issue in this country, and uh, and there is a difference between, you know, in, in immunities. You know, cops, people complain every day about cops getting qualified immunity, and they forget that, number one, it's qualified. So you you don't get it automatically. You have to qualify for it. And number two, it has nothing to do with criminal um, charges. It only has to do with civil litigation. And if a cop is granted qualified immunity after he qualifies for it, it just means that he cannot be sued uh, in a frivolous lawsuit by a surviving family member or whatever. But you're talking about these prosecutors and these judges who get something called absolute immunity, which means they, and you know, they do not have to qualify for it because they get it automatically. That is, that is the travesty. That's what people need to be complaining about. And you, you just brought up an excellent point. And then I, I, I don't want people to misunderstand anything I said about Look, the uh, look. I can't breathe. Look, cops over the over the over the decades, we've had bad guys thinking that take them out of handcuffs, you know, you know, drop charges, you know, let them out of the police car just because they say those magic words. I can't breathe. In today's uh, society, with all the litigation stuff, we have to handle that. Those words, you know, we have to take them serious. You know, call EMS, call fire rescue, have them checked out, and then you know, because we don't do it, then they're certainly going to make us do it at the jail before they accept them. But you have to take it serious. You don't want to. You don't want to open up your agency the litigation uh but you know that said um it, it's those words are always you know for the rest of the time that's going to be one of the things bad guys say in order to try to get out of the handcuffs in order to make a break for it it just it just goes without saying so um anything else gentlemen then we'll we'll go to our first story with a uh with a video component then thanks thanks uh guys appreciate it you know and look for our radio and podcast podcast listeners we'll describe in great detail what's going on with anything with a video component so that you don't feel like you're missing out on anything so our first story it's on rumble at rumble.com but the channel is called this is better i think it's the the, the best law enforcement video channel out there so on a domestic dispute call a woman pulls out a knife on hyde park police officers uh, and uh, she afterwards is fatally shot. So Jamie of Faith, that's F-E-I-T-H, she appears to draw a knife on police officers responding to a domestic dispute at a home. And look, we all know domestic calls are, are some of the most dangerous. And 
before a state trooper shoots and kills her. And this happened in April. So around 3.30 p.m. in the afternoon, April the 29th, 2022. So it happened uh, just over a year ago. Hyde Park Police, they're called to a home uh, due to an ongoing physical domestic dispute. Now, look, you know I said this happened just over a year ago. A lot of times, as in this case, these videos are just not released right away. They'll It'll be a year or whatever when all the, uh, the uh, court stuff is done. So this has just got released. So upon arrival, Hyde Park Police Officer Joshua Kemlidge and Brian Sweeney, Trooper uh, Trooper Christopher uh, Miller. So we got two different agencies. Um, they uh, they successfully de-escalated the altercation between Faith and an unidentified man. Now, this story is about to get really, really interesting. So just bear with us, and uh, we're going to have a commercial break. We'll be right back. So, look, you guys know about Galls at Galls.com slash Leo, right? I mean, they're the country's leading uniform clothing, equipment, and gear provider for law enforcement. They have a variety of offerings, everything from multi-tools and flashlights to duty belts and tactical gear. And as panelist Brett Bartlett always says, you know, they pretty much have everything but guns and ammunition. So if you haven't checked them out lately or if you've never checked them out, please go to Dolls.com slash Leo. That slash Leo, of course, it stands for law enforcement officer, but it lets them know that you're coming from the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show. So again, Gauls.com slash Leo. And look, if you have an agency, if you're look, if you're a uh, you know command staff level guy, or if you simply or, or you know, or a law enforcement officer and you guys are in need of a good uniform program, Gauls.com slash Leo, check them out. My former agency, Tampa Police Department. We went through two uniform companies that were not getting it done, and Gauls, from what I understand, is absolutely killing it. So check them out, Gauls.com slash Leo. All right, guys, welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show. We are still live through the Boss Hog Radio Network, and look, we are talking about a domestic dispute call. A woman pulls out a knife on Hyde Park police officers before being fatally shot. It's interesting how this thing goes down. So cops are on the scene. We've got a trooper and, and some cops. So in the video, and again, I'll describe in great detail what's going on in the video for our podcast and radio listeners. So it starts off with the footage of an unidentifiable officer. He's walking uh, Faith, and this is our our female, uh, from the bedroom, but he's walking uh, behind her. So she's facing away from him. And as they're walking out of the bedroom, there's a cop, um, and you're looking at the cop's body cam, and he's looking at her hands and stuff. And so they're walking to the living room, and she pulls out a knife from her pants. So the officer does a good job about verbalizing, you know, she's got a knife, she's got a knife, she's got a knife. And so the officer walking behind her, he ends up tackling her, taking her down to the ground because the verbalization from the officer, thank God, and that's in front. And so, but our female, she's a fighter. So she's fighting uh, this officer off. So the other two officers, uh, they end up uh, leaving him on his own though. So this cop is fighting her on his own without the other two officers jumping in. And so they're fighting over the knife and stuff and uh, walks into the kitchen. So then she encounters at least three officers with weapons drawn, and one of them's got a taser. So these guys, she's in the kitchen, and they're getting ready to um, to deal her in the kitchen. So they've got the guy with the taser in the front, and these two guys that have guns, they've got they're kind of like their hands on his back. So he's like in the front. And so they go into the kitchen after her. Guy with the taser is going in first. Man, they get so close that the guy with the taser – he deploys a taser. You can see the uh, you can see the taser wires, but he actually they're so close that they're touching each other. And she's got a knife. Thank God she didn't stab him. It would have been so easy for her to. And so then the two officers with the guns drawn, um, 
you know, they uh, they have him up front. She goes by. There's tasers deployed. Doesn't work. And they end up, you know, shooting her as she's charging towards the other two guy, guys with the guns and stuff. And she's ignoring commands to drop the knife and to get down. Uh, so uh, they fire four shots at her. She falls on the ground. A man can be heard yelling in distress. Um, you know, a, a, not a cop, a civilian dude that, you know, was sympathizing with her. He's yelling in distress. And then fewer than 20 seconds elapsed between when she pulls out the knife and when they end up shooting her. So that's the way uh, it goes down. So many things go wrong on this video. And there's a couple good things. Commentary, guys, I'm curious what y'all what y'all think. And maybe, maybe, maybe Joe, maybe you had a flashback or two on this one. Um, I watched the video in great detail. I slowed it down second by second and watched this. My take on this, was she the one being arrested or was the guy in the background, her boyfriend or her husband, was he being arrested? And is that why the other officers never engaged to help the other cop when he tackled her because they were still trying to keep him in custody? Uh, but the biggest oh, that's thing a good is, point. You know, I, I have no idea who was being arrested. I did see that she had looked like she had been beat up and her face was uh, had some scars on it, freshly, uh, you know, cuts or some fresh cuts and bruises on her face. But as he's walking her out, um, I, I don't I can't comprehend if she was a suspect or the other guy was a suspect. I know after she was shot. Uh, you could hear the boyfriend or the husband in the background screaming and it looked like his arms were moving. So if she was under arrest, the cop should have handcuffed her, walked her out of that room, searched her immediately. I mean, that was extremely, extremely poor uh, law enforcement uh, uh, technique there, walking her out in a domestic situation if she was a suspect. So um, it, it's a tragic situation. It really is. It's a sh shame she got. But then again, as I've said a hundred times on this show, one word, comply. Just comply. That's that's the key word for bad guys. Just comply and you go home. Yeah. You know, Joe, the thing is you're pointing at, you notice these TV commentators they have on Fox and, and whatever it is. These guys never hit the issues like you do because you bring up the relevant. Every situation a cop comes to is ambiguous and chaotic at some point. And, and that's our job is to create order out of chaos. Those guys, we don't know who's actually being arrested. We don't have the data or information. But what else is important is the minute the crisis goes down, it reaches that climax. As Joe says, we can all, you know, in retrospect, I'm a genius, boy, looking back in time. But those guys were all dealing with ambiguity. And that's the thing, the chaos, the cacophony of sound. And what is she, what's her intent? What's she going to do? See, civilians don't understand this unless you've been in that moment where it goes from relative calm to sudden pure chaos. And the ability of a, of a woman to present so much violence and danger, people don't understand that. Uh, it's hard to control somebody, right, guys? And well, I, think that's some, the whole I think there's thing. some guys that understand that, Lieutenant. The worst I ever got beat up on the job was by a female. Oh, my <laughs> gosh, yes. I tell you what, anybody who's ever been gripped, you know what I say, by a, a, oh, yeah. a female assailant, holy smoke. And that's the thing. I think the average cop will all tell you, we would much rather fight a jujitsu guy than a drunk woman. Uh, it can It's terrible. And the problem here is it ends in tragedy. So the media, the public looks at it knowing the ending of the story. 
they don't understand the ambiguity, the chaos that we deal with. And it's a, I wish we could watch, we could show it to everybody. And say, this is a terrible tragedy. But who chose that? She did. Not the officers. Officers never want to. You can see their hesitation. They're desperately trying not to. But, but again, like you said, it's a miracle she didn't stab somebody. And that's what we do. We live with that kind of thing all the time. And, and again, we're going to have this, this hindsight bias where everybody knows the ending and they're going to judge us based on this or that, where we didn't have that hindsight. We're, and we're desperately wanting to survive it as well as every other person in that room. Well, like you said, Dave, these things occur in split seconds and you have to make a decision. And, and the public doesn't realize how fast these things go from not being a deadly situation to a deadly situation. And, uh, you know, hindsight's always 2020, and you can sit and watch these videos for hours and go, well, I could have done this, but, but uh, it, it is a tragedy. The lady, uh, you know, that this ended in a, in a fatal shooting, but uh, lady. I think, well, lady, girl, <laughs> being nice here, the suspect, the suspect. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the lady with the knife yes <laughs> wow but yeah these wow. things go go down really quick i've been in those situations before uh you're just standing there minding your own business talking business when next thing you know you're fighting for your life so uh i understand where these cops came from uh but uh they, they should have uh, probably uh searched her before they took her out of that bedroom you know, yeah, but you know, then again, we always say separate. So why are they in the bedroom together? I don't understand to begin with, you know. Let's try to, like you're saying, Joe, let's try to stabilize the situation as much as possible before we have to do any enforcement action. And then we, like you said, once I gain control, search. I mean, we've got to get that search done. But I want to search from a point of control. And that's something else. Everybody, you know, when you watch these videos, it's so important. All of you look at it as a training film and ask yourself, what would I do? How could I avoid that? Uh, it's just like game films for us. And in, in law enforcement, these are our game films. We look at it and we can improve our performance based on what we see those officers deal with. And that's that's a good point, Joe. You know, I uh, I know that we don't have David D'Agresto on the show. He's really good about, you know, um, strategy, tactics. But, you know, one thing I would have... We talked a number of times on the show about it. You know, when you have a, you've got a lethal situation, you got a, you got a girl with a knife, and that's not a, it, it's not, doesn't call for a taser, it calls for lethal force, right? So you're going to put the guy with the taser in the front. You, you got two officers behind him that are your cover officers that have their, their pistols out, and their goal, they know that a taser is a less than lethal device, and that you know going up against, it's just not a fair fight. The cop with the you're only using the taser in a lethal situation because you've got your 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 guys with the lethal right behind you that can that can pretty much you know take neutralize the threat before she's close enough to stab the guy with the taser. That's not what happened in this case. So I was a little disappointed um, that you know the guy with the taser you deploy it you know from you know be you know seven ten feet away or whatever you know when you deploy that he got way too close. And then they let her go right by him without following commands, without neutralizing her, and waited till after she got well within striking range and, and was coming at them before they shot her. So I, I didn't, didn't. That's just totally. They should have never used the. They should have never used the taser. Then they just just poor yeah. tactic. You know that's again hindsight. I'm brilliant uh, looking back, but I just want to say this. One of the problems we've been talking about earlier this show this this trend to prosecute this tend to sue police 
creates exactly the kind of ambiguity that that is in the officer's mind when you're looking at all right it's a it's a female assailant people are judging me what do i do and you find that and i'm seeing this more and more on these videos chip that these people are 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 men and women out there are hesitating and yet when they act decisively there's always some clown uh who uh, was retired in 1932 ready to be an expert to go on some network and judge them yeah you're right um guys when we come back i know we've got another story with the video component but i i want uh lieutenant dave smith to talk about uh bucksavage.com and what and what him and sergeant betsy do so look commercial break we'll be right back you know no matter how much you know about guns and ammunition there's that knowledge gap that leaves you confused and missing the complete picture gunlearn.com they've taken the confusion out of learning they've made it easy gunlearn.com is the first and it's the only company that offer a step-by-step program that takes you from your present knowledge level to become a safe competent and accurate uh firearm specialist they provide citations from federal law and atf rulings for every point in time to assure accuracy and you know their training it's uh you know it's approved by major forensic organizations by law enforcement agencies and also by firearm manufacturers since 1996, they've taught everything that Leo's law enforcement officers need to know about firearms and ammunition to all facets of law enforcement. Now, you can start today with online training, or you can register to attend a live seminar, and you can actually get free training for yourself and all the personnel at your agency by hosting a, a seminar at absolutely no cost. So come aboard as one of the most firearm knowledgeable people in the world by joining the folks at gunlearn.com. You'll be glad that you did. Let's talk about Medicare insurance options. There's over 80 options in just Hillsborough County alone. Now, the benefits can change annually. So how do you know that you're getting the benefits for your specific health care needs? The answer is simple. Contact MyMedicare.Live or call area code 813-245-6656, especially if you're in the Tampa Bay area. Talk to James or Bobby. Meet with them in person. They'll save you money on your medication co-pays. Find plans that your doctors accept and get more of the benefits that you qualify for. So again, MyMedicare.Live. And welcome back to the Leo Roundtable Law Enforcement Talk Show live from the Boss Hog Radio Studios in Plant City, Florida. You know, the commercial, during the commercial, you got to love those uh, bail uh, bail bond commercials during the Law Enforcement Talk Show. But uh, Lieutenant uh, Dave Smith, J- a.k.a. J.D. Buck Savage, um, what, can you just tell us a little bit about uh, BuckSavage.com and, and, and what you guys do and how they can get a hold of you? Yeah, you know, Betsy and I, Betsy Brantner-Smith, who's the spokesman for the National Police Association as well, she, uh, in fact, she's teaching right now for our Winning Mind LLC uh, company. Uh, she does the Winning Mind for Women, and we do training all around the country. Uh, we do leadership training. We do motivational training, mental preparation. Uh, you know, and that's the whole thing. It's always been in my wheelhouse to to improve our performance and our mindset and be, you know, have our skills be uh, properly developed, you know, and this, the whole thing, uh, there's still a, a huge demand out there in this day and age to keep our spirit, our morale up. And that's our mission in life. And go to bucksavage.com and look at our courses. Uh, and the thing is too, you know, I write for police magazine. I've had the back page of police magazine for guys, 17 years now. I know. And, uh, I write, I write for a lot of people because I'm very opinionated old man. And in a minute, I'm going to go out and yell at the kids on the yard, you know, just the heck of it, you know. But that's the thing is we, uh, you know, we're at a crisis point in our society, gang, and we need to pull together. We need to train constantly. 
all of you uh, are listening out there that wear a badge and a gun, you know, you've got to have your mind right all the time because there are all these things in our society are wanting to wear you down and get you to stop believing. And our mission's essential for freedom, gang. Uh, and that's what's so important. I, I you know, I'm a, I'm a full believer that law enforcement is still one of the key elements that a government's obligation to its people. And it's our job, gang, to make keep making it professional and keep our men and women of faith in what they do because they really do matter. And it's so important. So let me let me ask you something, Lieutenant. If someone wanted to catch some of those videos, those vintage videos of you, uh, you know, how can they? I I I know that I know there's a place at bucksavage.com, but there's a isn't there a top menu option in order to be able to to capture the uh, the most precious moments and memories in law enforcement history right there. Well, anybody can Google Buck Savage and you'll see it on YouTube. We have them posted everywhere. You know, it's one of the things I never, you know, I didn't make a dime off it. I did them on duty. And my director, uh, uh, Tom Milstead back then, Milstead said, man, let's just get them out. I don't care. And so we have always had them open domain for people to use them. Uh, you know, as long as you're not using it for a commercial venture. We're up for it because this is the thing is I just when I was back in 1980, we're sitting in the training office and go, how do we get these, you know, watch the hands, things like that and failure to do this and failure to do that. You know, the 10 deadly sins we used to talk about in training. Yeah. We had it up on our gym wall and we're sitting there and somebody says, you know what, Smith, you're pretty funny. You ought to do a, a, a comedy thing. And I said, well, you know, I actually did some stand up in college. Let's see what I can do. And, and, you know, guys, all of you, whenever you try to do something positive in your profession toward with your agency, you've got to learn to use the power of positive annoyance. Because I'm going to tell you, the first time I wrote it up and sent it up the chain, it wasn't just no, it was heck no, Smith. We're not doing that. And thank God, uh, you know, using the power of positive annoyance, you know, and my training commander support, we ended up doing Buck Savage. Next thing we know, I'm doing, I'm doing graduations as Buck Savage within a year. It was just so crazy. It just really caught on in law enforcement and other in, agencies. In uniform. Up human humor. It, as Buck Savage, absolutely. Yeah, and my director, crazy. Milstead said, look, Smith, I don't care what you do as long as you always say you're DPS, Arizona DPS. And that, that man was a marketing genius. You know, and by and within two years, we were the number one law enforcement video association agency at that point. Uh, wow. So it had done pretty good. So hopefully if there's anybody out there that doesn't know what we're talking about, I mean, the Buck Savage name, it's going to stick in your head. If you've heard it once in your lifetime, you're going to remember it. You're, but if you if it's been a while since you've seen these videos or when you watch me say, oh, crap, I remember that, you know, you yeah. guys need to check it out. So. Google the Buck Savage, but I, I, I would rather see you guys go to bucksavage.com. And especially if you're an agency head and you guys are looking for some serious training options, uh, look, it's a great, it's, it's, it's a great, great tool, great option for you guys at bucksavage.com. Just check them out and what they can do for you. So I, I think, it, I think it's great. So thanks. Thanks. Uh, Thank Lieutenant, you, for, Thank for, you man. for making that. You got it. Well, look, uh, Guys, uh, and look, I even created that little scroll bar for you too while you're doing that. And my, I know, you know in my, very distracting. In my, in my spare time, <laughs> distracting. Yeah. Hey, well, what it, it is, uh, it is positive annoyance, is what it is, Lieutenant. Positive <laughs> annoyance. Okay. So look, uh, moving along here, Danny. Look, thanks uh, to MVS in Colorado for uh, the uh, the support on the show too. Appreciate it. So guys, uh, you know, moving along here, I know that we've got another story with a video component. So on LawOfficer.com, knife building man keeps getting up despite being hit with a taser and other least, uh, less lethal options. He's a couple of times 
very erratic behavior that looks like he has something shiny in his hand. Uh, okay, what? Okay, now things get really precarious. SWAT is moving in. We don't know if they're going to tase him or potentially do more. When you're holding knives at officers like that, he's he's down. Some, some for some reason he. They're tasing him. Okay, he's on the ground there. His reaction there, he's not reacting. Um, he's able to get up, so you have to wonder, is he on some kind of drugs that he has more strength that he can uh, not be affected by this taser? It would uh, be very, very, very surprising if he was not on some sort of substance based off of the way uh, he is acting now. Okay, so scary here for re residents in this neighborhood. What is he doing at this vehicle? Right. Uh, they're trying to take him down here because... Yeah, are they tasing him again? Look at the look at the knives in his hand. Boy, this is really and, scary and, and to watch here. This yeah. Okay, and and there looks like, you know, okay, hands up. Is he going or not? Hands up. Um, I, I still see something. I think shiny. He still has a knife there in his hands. Um, for all the residents there, if you're seeing this on TV, please stay inside with your doors locked. Do not come out and check this out. This person is very erratic. Um, you know, you just hope he doesn't try to jump over one of those fences and get into somebody's property there. Um, so you, you would imagine that before they move in physically, that they're going to require this person to drop the knife. Okay, here, here goes a flashbang nearby to try to sort of stun this person into submission. Again, the deputies do not want to. Okay, now, now it looks like they may be. We're um, getting a little bit of feedback there. So, uh, but look, uh, on this uh, this guy that hit, got hit with a taser, we're back in California, so we're in Los Angeles. So, deputies with the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department they engaged a knife wielding suspect who demonstrated erratic behavior. It's a dramatic standoff, and they're eventually able to take this guy into custody. But oh my gosh what these guys had to do in order to make that happen and the risk they took, uh, just like what we just what we just saw happen. So the confrontation involving the man, he refused to, to surrender to sheriff's deputies in uh, Huntington Park. It is a city in South Los Angeles County. It was, it was captured by Sky Fox, and that's the helicopter that goes out to Fox 11 Los Angeles. So the suspect, he's possibly connected to, uh, to a homicide case. He led deputies in a vehicle pursuit. Sky Fox, you know, they're overhead. Uh, they're over Huntington Park when the suspect exits the vehicle, and then he starts brandishing multiple sharp objects, and one appeared to be like a knife blade that can be seen. It's reflected in the light while he's holding it, and the, there's really a great video of this from, from uh, upstairs in the air. So the armed suspect, he walks around, and he prompts deputies to deploy tasers and other less lethal options. Man, they had like a SWAT tank. It looked like they were nailing the crap out of him with pepper balls because they're exploding all over the place. This is covered on Fox 11. And they pretty much threw everything at him but the kitchen sink. But remember, we're in California, so they've changed the use of force to where you know they want to pretty much exhaust all less lethal options before you go lethal, right? So despite the use of less lethal force, though, the, the re resistance subject, he keeps getting up multiple times. And, man, he goes down, gets up, goes down, gets up, leads deputies to track him in a residential neighborhood. I remember you know watching this and just thinking to myself, man, I hope this guy does not do anything to like a, I mean, he, he just up and around for so long. And with these knives and stuff, you just don't want anything bad to happen because they're just taking so long to use lethal, right? So after a period of time, deputies eventually, they're in a residential district, eventually overwhelm them. They basically swarm him. They got a shield, but it's a great personal risk that they swarm this guy and get him in the custody without, without using lethal. I'm glad it had a happy ending, but 
that was a gift from God that there that it was a happy ending on this one. Um, guys, uh, commentary on this, uh, Sergeant Joe. Yeah, the uh, this is a typical situation. I think cops are scared to engage these suspects the way they should be because when when I saw him, I mean they use multiple multiple weapons on this guy to try to take him down far as non-lethal. Uh, he still was getting up. Obviously, he was high as a kite on something because the normal person would have taken one of those rubber bullets and that would have been the end of it. Uh, my concern was once he started fleeing through the neighborhood there, what? and he went up to this car. He was up at this car, and I'm not sure if anyone was in the car, but what if he took someone hostage at that point? I mean, they were letting this guy basically do whatever he wanted to do in that neighborhood. They just didn't want to confront him and, and take him down. Because, again, I think, like like Dave said, uh, we're, we're cops are so scared now that they're going to get sued. They're going to get prosecuted by these uh, by these uh, liberal prosecutors that they're scared to engage. And now they're endangering their own lives and we're endangering citizens' lives now. Thanks, Sergeant. Uh, 30 seconds, uh, Lieutenant Dave. Uh, let me unmute here. Uh, you know, I got to say, I was, I was just thinking, Joe hit almost every point. I, the only thing I can think of to add is this, gang. Watch that video, and it will refresh you. When your instructors were teaching you in Less Lethal, they kept saying, be ready for failure. Be ready for failure. That's, that's a dogma when you're losing taser or any of those. We that Be ready for failure for that device. Boom. All right, excellent. Hey, thank you, gentlemen. Another another great show. I appreciate uh, J.D. Buck Savage, Lieutenant David Smith for being on the show, and also Sergeant Joe Rollerson. Thank you, guys. And also, you know, Lieutenant Randy Sutton could not be on the day show, but he's retired Las Vegas, Las Vegas Metro Police Department, and he's got, you know, the Wounded Blue, the woundedblue.org, fantastic 501c3, helping cops out that are, that are in a world of hurt. PTSD, medical issues from the department that's not being covered, or maybe there's no disability retirement being offered by that department. So uh, the Wounded Blue, the woundedblue.org. Also, uh, J.D. Buck Savage here on the show. And uh, bucksavage.com, training, training, training. That's what it's all about. So, guys, please check them out. And, hey, cool videos as well. A shout-out to our sponsors again, Motion DSP, GolfsGunLearn.com on Medicare.Live. And, hey, Bang Energy, thanks for the fuel. And another sh uh, big thank you to Ray Dietrich, Red Voice Media, for letting us borrow one million of your uh, listeners on three of your Facebook pages. Hope everybody has a wonderful and a safe week. Thanks. Thanks.